What I want to know is why the fuck are starters going and getting their hair cut first? And why don't you just send the practice squad boys there first? <laughs> Some guinea pigs at the start. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but like, we have, there's practicality. <laughs> Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. Super Bowl Sunday is upon us, so it's time to take a look back at the Pro Bowl and look forward to the biggest game of the year, the Pro Bowl. <laughs> so guys, how are you? we got Connor here, we've got Sean. Hello. And we got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on, guys? How's all down in Cork? Not much going on down here. Uh, uh, weather's the same situation, the... Post Christmas quiet has been extended to uh, middle of March at this stage, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, although I suppose one good piece of news is that Liverpool are winning football games again. So, uh, oh, that's get good. To experience the the emotional roller coaster of being a Liverpool fan. Uh, it was two years of them just being consistently good. Now they're back to being inconsistent, which just feels a lot more comfortable. Uh, a lot more used <laughs> to these these good weeks and bad weeks being back to back. Very fun. Uh, what about yourself, Ronan? Yeah, well, like, look, you know, things are pretty quiet and obviously we're trying to stay safe and stuff like that. I think uh, that the rugby is back this weekend. The Six Nations, uh, in theory, should be happening. So mm. we'll keep an eye over for that. But, yeah, it's all about Super Bowl 55. Getting excited for that. One of the best quarterback matchups of, of all time. Uh, so I think everyone should be very excited to see what's going to happen this Sunday. Yeah, it should be good crack now. Uh, similar here, fairly quiet overall. Uh, getting a few bits. Trying to pick uh, what I'm going to cook for alongside the Super Bowl. So I've got a few different bits. I might do, there's a nice kind of shredded chicken, bu- uh, buffalo chicken thing that you can do in a slow cooker that uh, is spicy, but in, like not so spicy. You can have like seven of them in a night and you won't feel <laughs> terrible. Uh, your arteries probably will, but you won't. So that's, uh, mm. that's possibly what's on the menu, but we'll see. I'm working out a few different ideas. I suppose we should swing straight into the news, and there has been a few interesting movements all around. Um, the LA Rams have decided to trade a 2022 first, 2023rd first, and a 2021 third, and Jared Goff for quarterback Matt Stafford from Detroit. So this is a huge swing for the fences by what many would consider to be a Super Bowl contender. They've got the top overall defense. That's a window that closes really quickly, and they haven't been getting the kind of performances that they need out of Jared Goff. So they've decided to pull the plug and make a move. This means that they will be spending seven years without picking in the first round. Uh, Between this, the Ramsey trade and acquiring Jared Goff initially... (laughs) Uh, which is an awful lot of time. Uh, They're also, I think, have over 107 million going to their top six players now, which given the salary cap was announced and it's going to be 180 million, that is a lot of requirement out of the bottom end of the roster. They're going to need to fill 45 places with what, like 30% or 40% of the money? Which yeah, is, uh, well, we know the cap is yeah, like yeah, like the cap they'll they'll restructure a few of the guys and hopefully get there. But it means it puts a lot of pressure on their second, third, fourth, fifth round picks to be performing because they don't have first round picks and they have to be paying this talent that they're acquiring. Obviously, this is a lot of pressure on staff to come in and perform. They've got a top level defense. Um, they have a young feed on play caller. Uh, they were only in the was it two years ago. They were in the the uh, Super Bowl, so like you would expect them to be able to 
go out and do something. Stafford, obviously very well respected around the league, but was on a perennial, also ran in the Lions. So let's see what he can maybe do with uh, with a better team around him. Uh, what do we think of this move? I, I like their move to improve a quarterback. I've always been 50-50 on Matt Stafford, though, but I do think it is a big improvement on Jared Goff. Yeah, I think it's a huge improvement. I think it's it is the it could potentially be the final piece in, in the Rams puzzle. They've got an incredible defense, as we've seen this year. They've got a lot of offensive um, talent, uh, running back and wide receiver. It was just the quarterback was just uh, kind of a black hole for um, quite a long time, and they they fixed that that now. I mean, Stafford is. I mean, I have a lot of time for Stafford as a talent. I mean, I agree with you. He hasn't necessarily proven it at the top end. We haven't seen him get... He never got the Lions on a, on a, on a deep playoff run, for example. He hasn't shown that when the chips are down, he's able to perform, which is often the big difference. I mean, it's not always about talent for quarterbacks. It's often about big game um, ability. But this is definitely a, a win now. This is the Rams going um, all out. I think that cap situation just reinforced it. I mean, the, to a certain extent, the Rams have always been quite a top-heavy. Uh, this Rams project... Um, the last few years has always kind of been top heavy in terms of a number of stars and then you hope that everyone below that will perform to the level um, required but it's it's a huge gamble by the Rams but one you kind of thought that they needed to do and the price is kind of insane I mean is Matt Stafford really worth two first round picks and another quarterback who at, at one point you know i.e. Super Bowl appearing quarterback not necessarily uh, one who would you would consider to be worthy um, of that title so yeah it's a gamble. Um, if it, if they win the Super Bowl, it would be success. If they do anything short of that, I think it could be considered to be quite a a risky thing. They're they're kind of selling themselves down the river in terms of their long term potential to, to win straight away. Um, for the Lions, they get a quarterback who could potentially be good if he um, you know uh, you know learns how to be a better at quarterback. If he gets away from the pressure of LA towards a place where he's perhaps less expected, less to succeed. Um, automatically, they get a whole bunch of uh, picks that they can then use to rebuild and such like. So, I mean, a lot when I can see the Lions winning more from this, but there certainly is potential for maybe one Super Bowl to come out of this uh, if the Rams get on a run and Stafford performs at the level. Obviously, they expect him to. Yeah, and like, look, I think the major thing that the Rams are buying here, or why they're willing to pay so much, is that they want a field general. They want someone who understands the level and the game of football at a deep level and is willing to make executive decisions and read the defence and do what needs to be done to win the game. Um, And the problem, based on what we've heard reported and certainly based on my own opinion of Jared Goff, is that he just wasn't that type of quarterback. He he was a quarterback who could implement the system well and worked well within the system and would do the throws and stuff like that, but wasn't someone who had that kind of... Uh, franchise quarterback level, old school level of quarterback understanding where they would make the decisions on the field and take control when needed. Like some of the most famous moments of Matt Stafford's career are about him like running onto the field when he shouldn't have, when he's injured on the one yard line, you know, choosing to, you know, when, instead of spiking the ball, going for it against Dallas, you know, decisions which show that he is someone who has more than enough confidence to do what he thinks is right, regardless of what, you know, what someone else is thinking. And the problem with Jared Goff is that, you know, a lot of the reports now are that he, you know, he wouldn't throw it deep. He wouldn't take the risks. He wouldn't, he kind of played within himself, especially after his kind of confidence got knocked after that Super Bowl loss. And, you know, it left a lot of the pressure on the McVeigh system doing most of the work to do. 
And we kind of see, for example, in Green Bay, where, you know, Aaron Rodgers is put into this, um, you know, Shanahan type system, um, you know, McVeigh and Shanahan, the, like these innovative play callers, that when you have, you know, like a, you know, that system works fine with your Jimmy G's, your Kirk Cousins or your Jared Goffs, but, you know, they obviously think that Matt Stafford can be someone like Aaron Rodgers, that with that system around them, not only can they run the system well and do all the things that Jared Goff can do, but they add that additional level of understanding of the game where they can, you know, bring that to the next level and put up, you know, they've not MVP numbers in Matt Stafford's case, but numbers that are way more impressive and way more dynamic and take advantage of the, you know, uh, opportunities created by that system. So, like, I think it is a lot to pay for that risk because obviously, you know, despite what I said about Matt Stafford, he hasn't, he hasn't, he isn't there, Rogers. He hasn't had yeah. that type of career. <clears throat> but I do think he, he has shown an ability to be a, a leader quarterback, a field general, someone who takes control of the game um, in his career. And they're obviously hoping to get something like that and provide him a system where he can take most advantage of that without everything being put on his back, which has perhaps been a lot of the story of his time in Detroit where they just didn't put anything around him to help him out. No, of course. And on the other side of this, like, look, like like, like I said, say, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take the approach every day is Christmas Eve that, you know, Matt Stafford definitely has the chance to put them over the edge. And from the Lions' perspective, they've got a new coach. They've got a full rebuild in place. They're going to have a lot of cap space. So this golf contract isn't really much of an issue for them. They can cut them in two years anyway with no cap hit. So they get, what, two first-round picks, which is exactly what they kind of need for the rebuilding, albeit in the future. They're able to kind of put together draft capital. They've got a bridge player in golf who, you know, he wasn't great there, but... He is also a first overall pick. Like there, in theory, is there, there is there a good player there? Yes, there could well be that it just didn't fit the system or didn't understand what McVeigh wanted. So like, even if he's not great, a two-year bridge starter while you're rebuilding a team that needs to be built from the ground up, I I quite like this trade for the Lions to be honest. Yeah, and Anthony Lynn is the offensive coordinator there, so I don't expect him to put it all on the quarterback. He he runs a fairly run-heavy system mm-hmm. ideally. Um, and like, look, the Lions roster it probably is by no stretch the most talented in the NFL. Um, so expectations should be relatively low. Um, but of course, you just need to be afraid with Dan Campbell, uh, a head coach that we didn't necessarily love uh, when we talked about him last week, mm. um, that you don't go too low. Because, you know, if you're going into the one, two, three win column, that's when things could get pretty ugly. But in theory, if they're, as long as they're not going below, like if they can get like six wins or so, then he can be a fine bridge quarterback and he obviously has that upside uh, as a for- former first overall pick that maybe things can he can get his career um to the next level with with you know this challenge and to be fair to him you know the the, the rams in their pr and, and through the media um have been kind of crapping on him a lot um and he has done nothing in retaliation mm. um and he's been very magnanimous about the whole situation so you know i, I never thought he's the smartest guy but he seems like a nice guy so hopefully he can you know show all the haters that he's wrong and now he's on the nfc west i'm much more happy to say <laughs> fair enough um houston have hired baltimore assistant head coach david Coley to be their head coach uh, in a move that surprised everyone because no one expected it to happen he's an experienced candidate he's been 27 years in the nfl doesn't really have any senior play calling roles in his career. Um, they're going to retain Tim Kelly and hire Lovey Smith to be their defensive coordinator. Uh, like this has no impact on Watson's request for a trade that he added that he requested a couple of weeks ago. So they're not going to help themselves with this. Houston are digging in and saying that they won't trade Watson, but like he definitely seems like he's 
going to dig in himself and maybe try and pull a Carson Palmer on it. JJ Watt and a couple of other veterans have also been talking about trying to get out. JJ Watt's only got one year in his contract and all that kind of stuff. Um, this is not a hiring that in any way inspires a lot of confidence. It feels like they were trying to find someone who would take a head coaching job given all of the crap that's surrounding the ownership uh, there in Houston and all the stuff with Jack Easterby. Um, they're retaining the coach. I, I, I like I like the Lovey Smith hire, I think, for defensive coordinator because I think that might be beneficial um, just because, you know, their defense was pretty pants for the last while, so maybe they can do something with it. But, yeah, this is, this is probably the least inspiring, least interesting, least impactful uh, hire, I think, of the offseason so far, outside of the fact that it's pretty much cemented the breakup between Watson and them. Yeah, and like, look, like obviously you're hiring last. You have a lot of issues in the team, a lot of reasons not to want to go there. Um, and, you know, we don't know how many people might, may or may not either did reject this job or basically, you know, let them know that they would have rejected the job and basically don't even bother calling us. Like, I don't know if, you know, Eric Enemy was interviewed, but I don't know how much he was enthusiastic for it. Um, like, you know, just sometimes, like, like, Obviously, we wish that David Cully the best and that he, he succeeds here. But sometimes you see a hire and you just kind of go, there's no way this is going to work out. I think when Adam Gase was a hire by the Jets, we all thought that. When Jim Tomsula was promoted to head coach in San Francisco, you're like, there's no way this is going to work out. And unfortunately, this feels exactly like one of those hires. Like David Cully CV, you know, very experienced, very liked. Everyone who, who talked about him, Andy Reid, um, John Harbaugh said, oh, he's a great guy. You know, he'll, he'll bring a nice culture there. Um, but he has no, you know, he's had, he's had nearly 30 years in the NFL, but has never had a senior role, like a play-calling type role in the NFL. And you're kind of going, well, that's a bit unusual there. And then when you look over some of the years where he's had, he was the past game coordinator for the Ravens who, pass game wasn't really a strength there um i think famously the the year where casey didn't have uh, a wide receiver touchdown he was also the pass game coordinator there so look he's, he's a he you know he could be an executive type guy who creates a good culture um but obviously if you're in a situation where the sean watson is trying to force his way out and jj watt may be traded as well and it's already on in media talks basically going like like i just like this makes me sad having to think about all this trade rumors around me and of course you know the, the issues that's only in the locker room then you look up at the owner and you look at the whole issue around uh, jack easterby um you know the 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 the, the shadow uh the the power behind the throne the preacher turned uh, preacher turned general manager um and who you know was supposed to be taking a step back but apparently now is ringing to sean watson's mother to say he's making a mistake um you know even if david cully was a diamond in the rough who's just been found now similar to bruce arians late on in the career just with this organization where the locker room is where everything is going there, it would be impossible to succeed even if you have bill belichick in there to be honest at this point so you know <laughs> all the fair play to him and, and i hope him the best but this just looks like a poison chalice twice over at the moment. Yeah, I think I think Fitz has kind of hit the nail on the head there. This is just not a good look. You want, you're you're desperate to try and hold on to your franchise quarterback. You're desperate to show him that you're serious about building a good team to make most of his talent, and you hire this nobody that nobody seems happy with, and no one can quite figure out why, and um, he's here. 
I mean, this is this sounds like it's the beginning of a very tumultuous off season and a potentially very tumultuous season ahead for the Texans. The, the talk about them not wanting to trade Watson is all well and good, but are they really going to be willing to have him sit on, on the bench or or have him as a kind of a social media presence while he while he sits in the stands um, going forward? I mean, at some point they're going to have to cash in on, on the talent that he has. Um, and accept uh, the kind of accept their losses there. So I mean, it's yeah. This is just as Spitz says. I can't see this working out. Um, if it does, it'll it'll be a miracle and it'll be great, and I'll be very happy for the Texans. But this ninety nine times out of a hundred, this this is the beginning of a a one in fifteen season or something like that, or a situation <coughs> in which your your star quarterback sits on the bench um, for sixteen games while the the locker room culture descends into chaos and backstabbing and so like like in terms of how bad i just like i i kind of feel like this era of houston football is more is as likely to lead to the texans moving to a different city as it is <laughs> to a super bowl <laughs> in like the next three years because this is just an absolute fucking mess at the moment yeah i think it was uh i saw a, a post online about a week or probably two weeks ago or whatever where it was just like Someone had uh, someone had you know you're like oh this time a year ago memories show up and someone was just it was a Houston fan who just said my God like to think this time a year ago we were you know leading in the championship game and now like I don't know if we're gonna have a team next year the whole thing is imploding like how quickly did it just all fall apart uh, it's uh, it's it's shocking how fast it can move sometimes. Um, Seattle hired LA Rams pass game coordinator Shane Waldron as their offensive coordinator. He's a young coach. He's only 40 or 41 years old. Uh, he's worked with McVeigh since back in his uh, Washington days. So we can presume run heavy again, play action-y again, that kind of style of thing. Yeah, like I think when uh, Brian Schottenheimer was hired, I believe what happened is that they kind of kept a lot of the old playbook and added like maybe like a 20 to 30% extra. I'm sure that increased as, as Brian shot numbers 10 years. So I don't imagine that they'll completely throw out the current playbook and implement the wide zone play action that the Rams have. Mm-hmm. But I imagine that they will start introducing elements like that significantly um, and obviously just mix up the offense and probably have more things that help out the quarterback a bit. By all accounts, Russell Wilson, this was his man, according to media reports. So, you know, like, you know, like Waldron ran, like, you know, the Rams ran a quite run-heavy offense. So Pete Carroll should, in theory, be fine with that. But perhaps we'll see more of the, you know, quick passing, short, intermediate game that's been missing the last couple of years to complement that and make it a more dynamic offense going forward. I think, you know, uh, you can't just throw it deep to DK Metcalf on every throw. You need to mix in some stuff to, to complement that. And, you know, I think most fans are, are happy with this hire to see more Rams concepts in there and hopefully create the complement to open up those DK big throws uh, and make sure they're not just closed every 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 down. Yeah. Green Bay are allowing defensive coordinator Mike Pettin's contract to expire. He will not be back next season. That means he'll be on the hunt for someone. Um, they've had a slightly improved defense last year or two, but it's not really anything to be writing home about, I suppose. Uh, they had a couple of bad burns, particularly on the quarterbacks like King getting burnt on the opening drive in the championship game. So you can see why they would maybe want to lay some issues at the door of the defense. I, I presume we think this is a good move. I, I, think it, I don't know. I mean, I thought they were fine. I mean, I thought the defense, I mean, the defense wasn't the problem in that championship game. Uh, yeah. Certainly down the stretch, it, it wasn't. It wasn't the defense. That, I mean, they they 
there was that one end of the second quarter mistake that allowed the touchdown in, I suppose. But I mean, I think it's a bit harsh to to, to if you if you're scape you're looking for a scapegoat, the scapegoat you pick as a defensive coordinator seems to be, <laughs> be uh, yeah a bit of an overstretch. Um, he wasn't. I mean, they weren't the best defense in the world, but they certainly were capable of doing enough to keep that offense, you know, to a 13-3 record and then into a championship game. So I wouldn't, I don't necessarily see the logic here from my point of view. Yeah, like I think it's just one of those situations where, the, you know, I think a young head coach, they, they often, you know, they in the first couple of years, they, they let a veteran DC kind of do their thing and then they decide, okay, I want to do things my way. I want to have more control over that. So, you know, if Lafleur has people or, or multiple people that he thinks would add, you know, the level of innovation that he thinks he brings to the offense, to the defense, then uh, that's the kind of move that's being made here. But uh, I think Mike Patton, yeah, he did nothing super wrong to deserve to be fired or, well, to have his contract expire. But obviously they think that they can bring that to the next level and make this into an elite defense with the right leadership. Yeah, so we'll see. Um Finally, COVID-19 news. Uh, wasn't expecting, well, was hoping we wouldn't have to have any chats about this <laughs> at the moment. But yeah. uh, Kansas City wide receiver Demarcus Robinson and backup center Daniel Kilgore have got uh, close contact but are currently testing negative. The close contact was a team barber who came into it. So they can play in the Super Bowl as long as they continue to test negative for the next three days. Uh, from that, all our eagle-eared listeners are able to pick out what day we're recording this on. Um, basically, yeah, they had a team barber come in. He had been tested for the week beforehand and had tested negative. He had a uh, quick response test when he came into the building. Uh, he then put on two layers of PPE and proceeded to do the haircuts for, for, for um, uh, players who were in the building. And uh, he'd gotten as far as, I think, basically got to finishing one and the next person was up and they said, no, your test has come back positive. So at the moment, not testing positive either of the players, but uh, it'll be kind of two or three tests a day for the next three days. It all need to be negative for them to be able to come back in. Obviously a bit of a loss. The hope would be with Robinson that uh, Sammy Watkins has been practicing. So you'd hope that he would be able to be used a lot more in that role. And uh, Kilgore, obviously we're already short enough on the line. We don't want to be losing any more linemen, even depending on whether they're starting or backup. So I think we just don't have the depth really, but uh, here's hoping that they just continue to test negative and it doesn't impact it. You can't just leave your fucking hair. Like, come on guys. (laughs) Get a look fresh, man. No, oh, I, I understand the logic of, you know, we have a barber, so you don't need to go find a barber if you do want a haircut. I mean, these are young guys who are, you know, they're, they're used to be on TV and they want to they look good. It's the Super Bowl. It's the biggest game in their career. It, it makes sense. But um, from what I hear, it was very close to being a total disaster for the Chiefs. They, I mean, it had, had they haircuts kept going, they could have been in a real... Yeah. What I want to know is, why the fuck are starters going and getting their hair cut first? And why don't you just send the practice squad boys there first? <laughs> Some guinea pigs at the <laughs> yeah, start. Like, yeah, like, I'm sorry, but like, we have, there's practicality. <laughs> just buzz, like, cut the, buzz cut everyone and be done. That's what they would have done. If, 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 if you want to be the team barber and you can, that'll, you know, that'll probably get you business he, for I, years. Like, live on site for two weeks. Like, I'm I, sure I, you'll get enough business at the back end of it if you are the Super Bowl barber, you know? Yeah, I don't think he was a. I don't think I don't think they have an official team member. But yeah, no, but like for this situation, basically. like I said, I can see that I see the policy they're trying to go for, and it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, like it's so ridiculous they did it, and they just brought in someone who infected the whole team. Mm. <laughs> um, anyway, a sleeper agent from the books, no doubt. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's old Tom Brady. 
<laughs> Next level I'm, thinking from old time, man. I'm Mott Rudabub. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the other bit of playoff relevant news is on the injury front. Kansas City linebacker Willie Gay, his knee injury that he suffered early on the season is still in place. He hasn't gotten back, so he will be missing the Super Bowl, which is a loss to the linebacker core. They've played the playoffs without him so far, and they've been doing okay. Uh, in fact, Stephen's been playing a good bit better, but still, uh, he was quite a good player. Uh, on his rookie contract, so hopefully he gets better and is well for next season. Um, yeah, I think most of the players that hired, uh, like there's questions over, are expected to play, except for Willie Gay, obviously he's out now, and obviously Eric Fisher we talked about last week. Um, I think the only one who 50-50 is Jordan Whitehead. I think all the rest of them, Antonio Brown, Winfield, uh, Tommy Watkins for KC, I think most of them are expected to play. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Crime and punishment, what are they doing? It's probably felonies. Former Seattle offensive liner uh, Chad Wheeler arrested on domestic violence charge. Um, I think it's kind of funny. We say former. He was, he, was, he was on the roster this year, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, but kind of a practice squad. Yeah, kind of depthy type guy. Forth. Yeah, so my understanding on this is that uh, he like started beating up his wife or girlfriend because she wouldn't bow to him. And mm. thought he had killed her, left her for dead in the bed, and then is quoted uh, by the wife as having said, when she got up and ran to the bathroom to call the police, he was just sitting there having dinner. He said, oh, you're alive. I didn't think you were. Uh, like, that is fucked up weird shit, man. Yeah, yeah. I think he's claiming it's a, it was a manic episode, but uh, the reports of what he did are very, very... Um, you know, unfortunate. Mm. Um, I wouldn't expect he'll ever play in the NFL again, especially since he wasn't really that talented uh, in the first place. But yeah, it was yeah. just by, by the accounts that came out of this word, it was a truly disturbing incident. And yeah, um, yeah, Chad Wheeler, just a ju- piece of shit. Yeah, basically. Good time. And a final bit of news this week. Uh, Jason Witten has retired after 17 seasons with the NFL. He will sign a one-day contract so he can retire a cowboy. Um, a lot of chat. He's probably a Hall of Fame candidate, has a very long career, has good kind of volume stats, and did play at a very high level for a number of those years, albeit being a little bit of a statue in the more recent uh, recent iterations. Um, Witten is the one who briefly was on the Monday Night Football, wasn't he? Yeah, so yeah, he's not going back to that. It was so thankfully. bad that he was like, given, uh, like, oh, come back to the Cowboys, Jason. We'll get you a job. Just get you off that TV screen. Yeah, basically. Uh, I think he's going to coach high school football this time. Probably a safer bet to, to be okay with that. <laughs> Hopefully he'll be um, better at that than he was at a 19. <laughs> but, like, look, he, you know, A, he, he played for the Cowboys, so that gives you probably a boost in terms of people who knowing who you are. And to be fair, he had such a long career and was successful throughout it. And, and is very much respected by the entire NFL player community and by the coaching community in terms of his intelligence, um, that, yeah, I would expect him to make the uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, post, probably even the first ballot, I wouldn't be that surprised. Um, he's just one of these iconic names who's been around long enough to kind of do it. And, yeah, obviously, like most of the time that we remember in recent times, he hasn't been that dynamic playmaker. But, you know, at his peak, he was getting over a thousand yards or near that, you know, in multiple years. And was truly a you know a major offensive weapon during his peak years in the NFL. Um, let's just that. We'll move on. We'll have a look at the game from last week. So in the crudest impact of COVID, we didn't have a traditional Pro Bowl this year. We had the AFC versus NFC on uh, Madden. Madden. Uh, the final score was 12 to 32. 
MVP Kyler Murray leads the NFC to victory with Jamal Adams coming out in the second half with two interceptions and a forced fumble. That's the digital Jamal Adams, by the yes. way. Yes, uh, uh, not the real so- Jamal Adams. Uh, <laughs> so was, was he also- controlling? Was he controlling himself when he did those? Or so he he so uh, Ky- yeah. Was yeah. Kyler Murray playing as Kyler Murray? He played like so. Like basically, the NFC Kyler Murray played the first quarter, and he switched in Kyler Murray, and they ended up playing Kyler Murray quarterback the entire game. And then Jamal Adams swapped himself in when he came in in the third quarter and put himself on defense. And then he absolutely, like his digital avatar, had two interceptions and a forced fumble in the second half um, and basically sealed the game up. But basically this game was won at the end of the second quarter when Keyshawn Johnson, who was controlling the AFC at the time, had an absolute nightmare where he first shanked a punt um, for like 20 yards from his own end, like from his own red zone. And then um, after they, like the NFC scored a touchdown off that, um, he threw an interception that basically hit the tight end and deflected right into the defender's arms. Um, and that went for another touchdown after a play or two after that. I think like the funniest moment in the game was when Jamal Adams was playing for the NFC and he ran at like a, a tight end attack format and just went hurry up and basically threw the exact same pass four times in a row i was gonna say this is this is one of the parts that i saw like i saw him spamming <laughs> the same kind of is, was it like a, a play action tight end drag cross or something uh, and, i think it was a seam right but yeah, yeah. oh all right fair enough yeah no, i just remember it was it was the crossing tight end every single time hit at the exact same time every single time yeah, it was uh, basically Derrick Henry was like, and like the the AFC guys, which included Snoop Dogg, were like, just like, oh, you gotta do something, like, change the defense. But you know, you know, Madden is very cheesable, um, so they, you know, he probably needed to call a timeout, Derrick Henry, um, to stop that, but uh, he didn't. And Jamal Adams basically punked him, uh, and that kind of definitely put the game away, like twelve to thirty-two. Not exactly a close game in the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate. I had to look up who Bubba Wallace was. Um, fair enough. Yeah, that's not a not a great performance, and it's clearly you know it just shows the mismatch in terms of uh, players that are available to them, because the AFC's roster is far superior. We discussed this last week, so uh, yeah. Keyshawn Johnson was he even playing this year? No, he, he's, he's retired. Not ten years. That's retired. what I was thinking. Like I said, I was just trying to work out. So like it, it, it was four active players, and then four you know either like former players or just celebrities basically yeah but like um, but yeah. they made they made the former stars play the celebrity rather than having the celebrities play each other but apparently Snoop Dogg plays a lot of Madden because he was like throughout the entire broadcast he's like oh you gotta do this you gotta do that so apparently he knows his stuff fairly well uh, okay <laughs> like not, 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 not to be too funny like we couldn't have gotten someone better than Keyshawn Johnson <laughs> <laughs> Like it certainly looks like he cost him the game, yeah, with his performance. Yeah, like that's that's but good. That, that he's got. I'm, I'm I'm just looking up. He's got three Pro Bowls. The most recent one being twenty two thousand and one. Like he probably really? does. Oh yeah, he was he was he was the last time he was a star was when the Jets were had a good team. Like he was I was thinking, yeah, like it was late nineties Jets playoff. They made the playoffs like two. Or like he probably years plays. Well, he was bad at Madden, so maybe he doesn't play Madden. But I don't know. They probably do some like media stuff with him. Like it's 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 the Madden Pro Bowl. I don't know. Like if they're gonna go all out and get, uh, you know, whoever's appearance fee is the highest. Like, like the well, I think I think he's he's he, he's an analyst on ESPN, so I'm guessing that's ah, well, why. That's probably it then. Like, you know. yeah, <laughs> he was in the building. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was uh, it was not 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 a not a not a great performance overall. Um, yeah. 
uh, unfortunate to be honest but yeah Scott, Sky did have old Pro Bowls on all weekend which is, which is yeah, what, kind of dipping in and out of I watched a few um, bits of those Sean Watson seemed to, to be playing in every single one of them and, and kicking ass in all of them but uh, <laughs> I did I, I did watch a, a point where the, the competition were discussing future or recent head coaches um, being appointed and the debate about whether Vic Fangio or Adam Gase would be the would be the bigger the better head coach uh, went on for, for a while. So, uh, <laughs> interest, interesting in retrospect uh, what people thought, or at least were told to say uh, on TV at the time. Yeah. Um, because if you guys saw if you guys saw the case was never going to work out, then maybe you should have been commentating on football <laughs> because God, one guy was definitely very pro Adam Gase. Yeah, I think as a, there's a lot of people I think who are just tricked by the fact that. You know, he was the offensive coordinator for Peyton Manning for those Broncos teams. That they were like, oh, well, maybe he actually had more input on that. Like, no. Every interview with ex Broncos since have just been like, yeah, so Peyton spent a lot of time trying to explain the offense to Gates. (laughs) 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 It was not a winner. But also, NFC get a a relegation win here in the Pro Bowl. And uh, we'll move over to some questions from the listeners. So first up, uh, the question is, where will the next QB market move happen? So obviously we've talked a few times about how there's a lot of moving pieces in the quarterback market. There's a lot of trade pieces happening, and there's also movement for picks for first-rounders. We've just seen the Rams trade for Stafford. so the question is, where will the next ones come from? So we've got, you know, there's rumors floating around about Kirk Cousins to San Francisco, Deshaun Watson being traded, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, where he'll end up, Wentz, Darnold, Carr, Locke. Uh, there's just so many of them around. So what do we think we'll see next? Because uh, we're probably going to see one before we even get to, uh, before we even get to like a free agency preview, I, I would imagine. Yeah, like the like if a trade happens for Deshaun Watson, it will probably happen sooner rather than later. Um, but of course, you know, as we discussed, you know, the whole situation in Houston feels like it might. If things go badly, it's betting in for a very ugly and long dispute, which I very much not looking forward to. Um, but yeah, like I think if that doesn't happen soon, then. Yeah, I would imagine someone like Kirk Cousins, if this rumor about him going to San Francisco, that's something I could see happening. Um, I'm not sure it makes enough sense for Minnesota to actually go through with it. Um, They're looking out for a first-round pick, reportedly, so I don't know if San Francisco will be willing to give that up. Um, I don't think anyone would be willing to give that up. Like, Kirk Cousins isn't worth a first-round pick. If I were to guess, Wentz would be my first guess for who might get moved it depends if someone comes in with like like if indianapolis came in with a first round pick i probably think straight up i mean they would probably do that um but uh yeah obviously if if trades don't happen for these major guys like like watson um or wentz then you know obviously free agency you'll have a few guys out there um or who or who you can get on fairly cheap i'd say um so it'll be those guys but uh, yeah in terms of trade the recent Eagles hires were kind of based around trying to keep Wentz in the building and keep him happy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but like, <laughs> you know, if, if, if a first round pick is an offer, it might just solve the problem yeah. for them to a certain extent. But yeah, mm-hmm. like, you know, people like Matt Ryan, Aaron Donald, sorry, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, in theory, their coaching staffs are all saying no way, but, you know, you never know here. So maybe someone, like Deshaun Watson is the obvious answer, but, uh, and hopefully it's the correct answer. Uh, but, uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens there. 
Yeah. I would hazard a guess at it being Darnold. Um, just because I think because they, ha- they hold both Darnold and they have the second overall pick. So I think it'll either be Darnold being traded because they're going to get in a new quarterback or it's going to be, well, we'll package up Darnold and a second round pick to go for Deshaun or something like that, you know, that it's um, they're they're, they're kind of holding two cards in a game where they can only use one of them. So I think they're likely to to shift one of them. Like the Derek Carr one, I I could see, but I also just like, I don't know who they're getting in at that point. Like it's, it's one of those ones that it'll probably will be like the, I think Derek Carr and Drew Locke, maybe like that will be like the seventh or eighth move rather than the first or second move because theirs will be dependent on what shakes out of all the rest yeah. of it. And there, yeah, there is yeah. a report that people are afraid of being Tannehilled, which is like, Oh, like someone will be great with other teams. So yeah, yeah. a bit of reluctance, apparently. What, what, that, what, right? what, what, what about, is there a trade market? Do you reckon for Jalen hurts? Like if they're going to dig in, they're going to say, we want Wentz to be our guy. And this is a way to make Wentz feel, Oh, well, actually, you know, we're happy with that. Cause they got him. He was a second rounder, wasn't he? You could probably given how he played, get a second rounder out of someone. Yeah. Like I think that that's certainly possible. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense if they if they don't want a quarterback controversy or a competition. I mean, it's. I mean, I guess that's a, that's an awful lot of kind of moving pieces. Does Wentz work better when he's facing a competition he can he can play against, or does he work better when he's established number one? There's going to be no questions about. I mean, that's kind of a psychological call based on a kind of a individual by individual look. Certainly, Hurts looked good enough to to be picked up by a team in need of a quarterback, and, and there are a few of them um, around. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I think the big one, I think Deshaun Watson is the big one because he's the piece, he's the most important piece in the puzzle. Once he gets put in place, all the other teams will then know what the market looks like. But right now, I think the market is weighed quite heavily by the fact that if Watson is out there, teams are going to do everything they can to get him, and they're not going to be focusing all that much on, on other options. Um, if if they think they have a shot um, at getting Watson, so the longer say the Watson situation goes on for, the more muddled this QB market could get. As it's almost like a game theory: do you want to wait, um, or do you take your shot now? And, and do, you, do you make your when do you make your move, and when do you maximize your your equity and such like? So it's it's quite a complicated one, and because there is this one big name or one big talent at least um, amidst all of them, I think it really does complicate. The strategies teams have for approaching, especially those teams that believe they would have a shot um, at getting him, um, it's certainly it's certainly a very interesting time. But but yeah, people like Derek Carr, Derek Carr especially, is not going anywhere unless the Raiders feel that they uh, can bring someone else in because he's of a standard where Gruden would be like, that's fine, we'll, we'll stick with him. I'm not 100% happy, but he's better than gambling on some unknown um, or some risky option. But hmm in two or three months time or perhaps sooner when things settle down a bit then maybe there can be looks looking around uh, at what's um, going on so i mean the, the kirk cousins san francisco jimmy garoppolo thing i it's all very it's all very mad i don't really understand what the logic of it is other than there's some system talk that the, the some of the players might fit better into systems um, but certainly you can take that away and then the rest of the ecosystem is all dependent on what watson is doing i think and that will set off a chain, a chain reaction, um, as other teams scramble for what's left um, after that one has been settled. No, of course. Uh, next question comes in from Abbott Ryan. Uh, he's got a piece coming out this Sunday on uh, Tom Brady and 
getting back to the Super Bowl and so on. And uh, I think we'll have possibly some quotes from ourselves on there. But uh, we thought we'd do one of the questions here as well. So it says, uh, it's the end of the season. How do we feel about the TB12 New England divorce for both sides? Uh, well, as we're going to preview the Super Bowl in a minute, I think we can feel pretty good about how it went for Tom Brady. Am I right? Yeah, it, it's turning into one of the best decisions Tom Brady has ever made. I mean, he got out of a situation where very clearly the serious medium to long-term build, rebuilding had to be done and he's got himself into a Super Bowl contender straight away and looking quite good at it. He obviously, I mean, at the time it was it was kind of risky, but he obviously knew where the chips lay. He knew where the future was. He obviously wasn't getting what he needed out of Belichick in terms of commitments. And I mean, the the, the receivers he had around him in the last few years um, was a bit of a joke. I mean, it was kind of how much can Tom do this on his own? And the answer was, well, it turns out not that much when no one can catch a ball. Um, so he's done well for for New England. I mean, it's transition, right? It's a season, 79 season. They're coming out of it now, again, right back where they were a year ago without uh, a quarterback, with a lot of rebuilding to be done, with a lot of pieces that are missing. Um, the big question being, who can they get in at the QB? How much will that affect the cap? What are they then going to do in terms of the other pieces that they can put together? So I don't think, as much as Belichick is the coaching wizard and you know has consistently been able to build rosters based upon unknown talents and whatever, I mean, his, his GM record is pretty solid, but this is a very bad mark in that the Pats are basically uncompetitive and look uncompetitive possibly for another two or three years until this kind of gets uh, sorted out. So I think from the more interesting part of this question is what does it say about New England, what direction they're going, how much kind of joined up thinking there is. Is there maybe, and this is almost sacrilege to be saying as a Pats fan, is it maybe time to start talking about Belichick being, you know, shuffled off into retirement and a new project beginning? Has this has this project finally completely run out of steam 20 years in? Is it, is it time to do the handshakes and say thanks for the memories and move on because it's the it's the it's it's to use a soccer analogy it's the Arsene Wenger question I mean how long does someone stick around based on a reputation and kind of hold a, a team down um, when they don't really have the chops for it um, anymore so certainly the, I think it's a slam dunk success for Brady but the, the the questions about the Pats end of this deal is will go on for some time at least until they they solve the quarterback situation in, in, the, in the long term yeah. and get back to a winning record. Like The thing is, I suppose, when I look at it, I, I don't know if Tom Brady is in the Super Bowl if he's on that New England team this year at oh, all. Oh, not a chance. Not like, a chance. No, he's not he's even, not, he might not even make the playoffs Yeah, if he was still playing with the Pats. That's how, like, that's how poor they were getting by the end. But, like, to, to be honest, like I, I think it's a situation... I'm more sanguine on the New England situation. I think, like... Like they got seven and nine with basically zero talent on that team, and like a like busted up Cam Newton, and with like half their defensive starters opting out due to COVID nineteen, and they still nearly got to an eight and eight record. Like that's just I think, you know, if there's any questions, it's like you know, obviously I know Bill Belichick hasn't worked out for him, but even he admitted throughout the season that like they had run up the credit card, they had put everything in, and he had no regrets about that. And next season. Like those guys will be got back, come back if they want to take them. People like Hightower, um, but also they're going to have a, a fair amount of cap space. So they've basically had the one year where everything went wrong. You know they didn't make the playoffs, but they probably weren't going to win the Super Bowl anyway. 
um, even with Tom Brady, as you said. Um, but now they've basically got a fresh start. And if they can get a quarterback, um, either in the draft or through some of these free agency stuff, like getting Jimmy G back, um, uh, or someone like even Derek Carr might be a solid enough one in New England, um, then I expect them to be back, you know, if not competing, like dominating the AFC East again, like they did when they had Tom Brady, certainly, you know, looking in that wildcard spot. Like, can I see New England being less, like, you know, can I see New England sneaking in to be one of the top seven teams in the AFC next year if they can get any like decent quarterback play? Certainly, because I think that's how good Bill Belichick is. So I think, you know, when these quarterbacks run on for so long, you know, it's always it's always difficult because of the way the cap works. But uh, for New England, they've had one year. They've got it over and done with. And now, you know, if Bill Belichick wants to build another contender, he has all the tools at his disposal to do so this offseason. Yeah, like it, it's, it, it's the lack of it's the lack of succession planning. It's it's the lack of an, when Brady walks out of the building, what do we do? And to still be here twelve months later asking that question is now that Tom is gone, what do we do? They brought in a quarterback on a name who didn't really fit the system, who was well past his peak. And I mean, these are things that you could have seen. Um, I certainly wanted to be optimistic about the Cam situation, but. In retrospect, the writing was on the wall that this was never going to work out. And it's it's the longer this goes, and it's not that easy to get a, a franchise quarterback. And you're not holding on to Garoppolo or, or, or not, you know, finding someone who could, who could be willing to be Brady's understudy in the way that, say, Aaron Rodgers was willing to sit for a few years and wait for Brett Favre to, to leave Green Bay. I mean, I, I do think it's a, it's a stain on a that there's the formula for success kind of, they just stopped after a while. There was this every year for, say, from 2016 onwards, every year was like, we are one year closer to the abyss and this is not being solved. And then they reached the abyss and we're still staring into it and we don't know, as, as a Pats fan, we just don't know what the future holds. And that's very yeah. unsettling after 20 years of outer dominance. But I think that's one of the problems that they're going to face in New England. Is it like, the 20 years of dominance they've had is just so unheralded in this sport like that it's just not the normal thing that like what what does success look like for post Tom Brady New England because like like you said Belichick is still excellent I think I think the question would be more about how long does he want to spend rebuilding a thing when he's had 20 years of success with it and at what point will people go well that's back up to the standard you'd want it because like it, it presumably isn't just going to every second Super Bowl or something because that's just unachievable, I think. Like, what I don't know what a good outcome to them is. Is it the kind of winning their division every second year, getting deep in the playoffs, and maybe making every fifth or sixth Super Bowl? Because uh, that would still be seen as a big drop off, but that would, like, I, I think, I think we've, we've had our minds warped as to what good teams and good coaching and good management looks like by how successful this pairing has been since 2001. Yeah, uh, of course. And like, to be fair, to be fair to New England, um, <laughs> you know, they, they did bring in those backups as you, as you alluded to Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady outlasted them all. So, you know, there's only so much you can do when the guy just kept going um, and then eventually you just run out of cap room and other ways to mortgage the future and make the money work. Um, to, to put on a good defense and have you know enough to put around Tom Brady, you know like in like if Tampa Bay make this work a couple of years down the line they'll probably be in cap hell. The fact that New England kept churning it along for so long is just ridiculous. And you know with a clean slate which New England basically have, I'm very very interested to see what they do with that. And you know Bill Belichick, uh, you know we've been burned before by underestimating him, and uh, 
uh, I'm very excited to see what they can do. To be honest, it's it's very interesting yeah, actually. Well, I'll, I'll be happy to be wrong, but I'm not optimistic at the moment. I would say. <laughs> so yeah, make sure you buy the Sunday Business Post and see Emmett Ryan's preview <laughs> of the Super Super Bowl Fifty Five. Yeah, should be uh, businesspost.ie. Oh, very good. I, I actually didn't have the website to hand. Good job. It's... <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope we're getting paid for this sponsorship. <laughs> no, the, no. Emma Ryan has a GIF where it's like, buy the post, I think, or something like that. So uh, insert that GIF here um, in your mind. Yeah, perfect. Uh, all right, sure. And with that uh, lovely plug gone in there, you see all potential sponsors out there. We can definitely plug your products and not <laughs> laugh at them. Uh, onwards to our Super Bowl preview. Brought to you by Squarespace. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so coming up this weekend is the big one. Kansas City versus Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay being the first home team for a Super Bowl in the history of the sport. Uh, Mahomes versus Brady. Old Goat versus New Kid on the block. If you like your, your, your animal puns. We won't go into our our, uh, our, our uh, final predictions just yet. We'll kind of talk through different elements that we think will impact the game. Um, so I suppose we will start with uh, Tampa Bay's offense versus Kansas City's defense. So we got Tom... Uh, well, I suppose we'll just start with Tampa Bay's offense to start. So we got Tom Brady playing very well, but as we mentioned, uh, was it two weeks ago on the podcast... We have noticed a bit of a fall off in certain spots, particularly in the back half of games. His arm strength and his accuracy aren't really up there, but he has an incredible collection of, of, of weapons around him. Uh, about four wide receiver ones altogether on this team. Uh, two good tight end options. Uh, the running back room is is, is is pretty okay. What's the status? Is Rojo gone for this or is he back for this? No, he'll be available. Um, and obviously they'll probably have him and Fournette in a, in a, in a rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also got a good offensive line and yeah like that that is like you know maybe you could like see them pivot and do the whole running back thing i don't really expect them to do that it's not really how bruce arians wants to run offense and it's not necessarily how tom brady wants to run an offense if he can avoid it but mm. yeah it's definitely a situation where like we know what this offense wants to do we know that they want to throw it deep these days uh, tom brady wants to prove that he can do that and he's done it very successfully over the back end of the season um, but we saw on occasion um, in the first half of that Green Bay game that one of those ended up being picked because Tom Brady, you know, his greatest strength, I suppose, is sometimes his greatest weakness, which is that he trusts the system. He runs the system. He reads the, you know, he reads the game beforehand and he throws the ball to who he, where he expects the player to be, where his receiver is supposed to be. And sometimes that looks a bit dumb, I suppose. Um, but more often than not, it basically completely denudes the ability of the defense to react to you mm-hmm. you know so many you know younger quarterbacks these days um like josh allen or russell wilson or even someone like patrick Mahomes, like they're always looking to you know keep the play going try to find the big play you know not really take what's there but tom brady is that old school field general quarterback who you know just is you know you know make the system work play trust your receivers you know throw it into the open spaces and do what needs to be done to keep the offense going no matter what um so uh, you know i expect that to be what happens here it will just be interesting to see how much the kansas city defense is able to disrupt that because this is a very different challenge than anything else they faced um you know in the afc playoffs so far yeah this is a this is a very uh blitz heavy team i think we've got the third highest blitz rate in the league you got Chris Jones, Frank Clark, uh, 
Kepasa. You've got a nice rotation of other guys coming in as well. They like to send safety and corner blitzes through as well. There's going to be a lot of pressure in this game trying to knock Brady off his spot. And it is obviously um, Steve Spagnola who's had good, he's uh, a very good career foe. record versus uh, versus Tom <laughs> Brady in particular. Um, so this not, is going to be an interesting... career record is that good or just it's happened at very important moments that he's had good defensive showings. Uh, I think I, th- I think he's got a good record against Tom specifically, but they only tend to meet each other in high high stakes situations. <laughs> for, for those who don't know, obviously Steve Agnola was the defensive coordinator during the uh, famous Giants victory over uh, Tom Brady, uh, the eighteen and one season. Um, very very famous uh, defeat from poor old Tom. Speak of it again. <laughs> But yeah, uh, so like, what do you think, Sean? You're, you know, obviously watch a lot of Brady over your time. This is the type of pressure that, in theory, want to be getting against uh, a Tom Brady offense. You've got two or three big guys coming up the front and up the middle directly at him. You've got some speed on the outside. um, And that's before we even get to looking at the defensive backs and the kind of rolling rotations. Because the thing is, Tom Brady is one of the quarterbacks this year that I would 100% say will not fall for a lot of the rotational disguise coverage stuff, but may not like whenever a random DB becomes the free blitzer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Brady's ability to, to read the defense is, is one of his big skills, his ability to quickly see what the situation is, make the right decision, and, and, and consistently get the ball where he wants to go. Um, so it will be a battle between this 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 pass rush um, and certainly getting pressure in the, in down the middle has historically been where Brady has suffered. He he doesn't he likes to have the time to to think. He doesn't need a lot of time to think. He certainly when he ha- it, it's it's not a situation he needs four or five seconds. He probably only needs you know a second and a half, two seconds. But he does need that time. And and when you can kind of get pressure right at the beginning of a play, um, he, he can suffer a little bit. Um, so certainly that's where they're going to try and get at him. Then the question becomes, if this pass rush fails, if they don't get to, 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 to Brady, how does the secondary, how do the DBs react to the to the passing range? And we see with regards to the books, it's, the, the system is kind of short and medium range passes and then just to set up the, the, the longer throws. Um, certainly I think the problem the books are going to have is they're going to be in a shootout here. They're, it's inevitable that, that you know, the, the Chiefs are going to score points because this is what the Chiefs' offense does. So they're going to have to be consistently kind of kind of clapping the, or kind of uh, clicking away on the scoreboard as things go. How the the Bucks kind of won their kind of take to say the two previous playoff games, the Saints and the Packers. A lot of it was just eventually you just kind of broke the spirit that they kept putting up points and their defense was able to hold the other side down enough that eventually there was just this, a yawning gap and then they were in a situation where they could take more risks um, and certainly they could disguise a little bit about the fact, as I've talked about last week, is that I think Brady's Brady does get tired in games. He's good for three quarters of kind of solid drive management, making the right decisions. Every throw is basically perfect. He, he knows what he's doing. The, the risky throws are, are based upon probabilities um, of success. He's willing to accept interceptions in certain situations. But the fourth quarter, especially we saw it against the Packers, he sometimes it's it, it gets into kind of risky territory. His his mid-range throws are not as accurate as they need to be. So he tends to push it a little bit more than he should because he believes he's invincible. 
and that's when the kind of mistakes uh, creep in. So the problem that the Bucks are going to have from an offensive end is that they're going to need four quarters of offensive production um, and particularly off the scoring off their offense, which they ha- actually haven't had yet. They've managed to get away with a situation where they kept the, the scoreboard ticking over for long enough that the, the defense can kind of keep the score down on the other end and then they've been able to, to kind of close games out um, to a certain extent. So it's an interesting battle um, and certainly how this battle plays out in, say, the first half or the first three quarters versus how it will play off in the fourth quarter would be quite interesting. If this game is tight in the fourth quarter, then I think Casey's chances of victory go up quite significantly, um, especially if, if they can get that pa- if they can figure out how to get that pass rush kind of clicking a top gear uh, going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I, look, look, Tom Brady has been played in you know, almost an infinite different level of systems throughout his career. He is someone who winning, it's all about the winning. He's willing to adapt. So I suppose, Connor, like you're a Kansas City fan. Like if you were looking at this Kansas City defense, like what, what, like, and just, you know, don't even think about your own personnel. Like Mm. Tom Brady, he has like apparently a whole week, two weeks to like study the Kansas City defense. What are the things that he's seeing in that defense where he's like, those are the things that we need to do to beat that. Like, you know, where are the weaknesses rather than necessarily just like going, well, we have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, we'll just do whatever we want. Yeah. Like, what would you say are the KC defenses? Defense so what you'll defense? have is your coverage linebacker play isn't fantastic. Uh, Willie Gay being out hurts that quite a bit. Uh, they've been getting better production out of Hitchens and stuff, but that's still a weak point. But that's, I think, why they blitz so much to try and block those up. It's a load of big, tall guys on the line to try and stop that real short, kind of quick play stuff. Um I think the other one is that, like, while we've got good tackling uh, safeties, uh, our corners aren't incredible, and we don't have a lot of height there. So, like, if you can, you can get yourself with a, a Mike Evans running deep, and it's Tyrion Matthews there. Tyrion Matthew will be there to make the tackle, but like, Tyrion Matthew is like my height. He's what five <laughs> ten. Like, he's not. He's not. He's, he, and he can jump, but he's not getting up over Mike Evans for a high ball. Like, you know. Um, so, like, there's a, there's a height issue with that. Um, yeah, like, those would be the two main areas. The other one, but it's it, uh, Sean says it might not come into this that much, is, like, I would just, I would genuinely just be running the ball a lot on us. Like, we give up about 4.2 or 4.3 a clip on the ground normally. Um, that's it. In games where we focused in, we, 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 we cut it down. But that's a weakness for us. So, like, if they can get into a bit more of a kind of a, run run pass type of feel uh get us to over pursue on blitzes kind of like what they did at the start of the green bay game they should be able to get nice bite moves over the top with their tall fast receivers and uh, that should also help them set up a run game which should in theory at least help counteract that whole kind of tom's arm getting tired not having the fourth quarter in him you know yourself that kind of stuff that's like that'll be what i'd be looking at but like i suppose it's every uh, every pre-game is going to be uh well we need to run the ball effectively kind of have a couple of big chunk plays over the top and just uh manage ourselves effectively like that. that's very generic advice but it does kind of play in the situation yeah well if there's an issue with linebackers maybe you might see a bit more of gronk he's kind of gone a little bit missing over the back end of the yeah. season uh but yeah we don't have the personnel any... to deal with gronk really if yeah. he can get going like I'm sure if he gets going, they'll they'll move Matthew over to kind of stop that. But early on, you might see them try that out, and mm. obviously a few jump balls to Mike Evans sounds like they might be the the way to go as well. But yeah, yeah. Run, like if you could run the ball, that's usually a good sign. It's just obviously you need the other side of the the the, the ball not to be going too badly at that point. No, of course. Um, so it's, it'll be an interesting matchup there. Uh, yeah, Kansas City offense versus Tampa Bay defense. Um, 
All right. So obvious issue. Uh, Kansas City's offensive line are missing both their starting tackles. Everyone has moved around at this point. So the question is, this is a pretty good pass rush from uh, from Tampa Bay, and <laughs> they're only getting better with Vita Vea coming back last week. Um, so can JPP, Shaq Barrett, all those guys kind of tear through and really disrupt, or will the kind of ramshackle line that has held up so far, but you know, uh, can that hold up or will Mahomes a problem? Because remember, he's coming off a turf toe injury from three weeks ago. Now, it didn't look to slow him down last week, but he also wasn't put under as much pressure last week as I think could be brought by this. Because uh, if I remember correctly, I think Tampa Bay are just one below or two below the Chiefs in terms of uh, blitz rate this season as well. Yeah. But we, we saw that in the game that happened earlier this year between these two teams, uh, they were aggressive. They went man to man, and Tyree Kill absolutely killed them. Had over what two hundred yards in the I first don't, over quarter. over two hundred and thirty in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like it'll be really interesting to see. Like you know, has Todd Bowles learned his lesson, or is he going to go actually? You know, with the tackles out, that was the that that's now the right way to do this. Let's be aggressive. Let's make Mahomes think. But the problem is that Mahomes is a really good at thinking and his record against the Blitz is absolutely phenomenal. His ability to make, you know, absolutely destroy on the Blitzes is something to behold. His statistics are absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, it's a really interesting question because Tampa Bay in that game on defense did adjust. They got more conservative. And of course, other teams have been more conservative down the stretch. But what we've seen in the playoffs is that, you know, this Kansas City defense suddenly was like, Oh, okay, if you need to take five to ten yards every play, we're going to take that and we're going to win the game easily regardless. So, you know, obviously losing Eric Fisher is big. It means that those pass rushers, JPP and Shaq Barrett, should in theory be able to, you know, make life very difficult for Patrick mm-hmm. Holmes. In theory, his, his injury should make him more, you know, uh, vulnerable to that. But, you know, what we've seen from Kansas City over the course of these two games in the playoffs so far is that they, they just... They really just literally looked unbeatable and that they were able to just kind of easily swat away all of the problems that they that, that you know people had given them throughout the regular season. So on paper, you know, they, they should be Tampa Bay should be able to do some damage, but in reality, well I've seen in the last couple of weeks, I have severe doubts that they can't. Yeah, I think this is this is the matchup I think which will actually decide who wins this game because it, it how the Tampa Bay defense deals with the various challenges that the, the offense Kansas's offense is going to throw at them is, is going to decide exactly how many points Casey score and therefore how many points the, the books will have to, to kind of rack up. I mean, the big question here is, is Todd Bowles. He has this season had the, he's had galaxy brain moments where he's decided he's kind of figured out really elaborate schemes to get at, um, to get at teams and they kind of failed as often as they worked out. I mean, we only have to think about the, the two kind of high profile games against the Saints that the 35-point blowout in week 11 or whatever that was versus the the the, the playoff game where both in both situations Bowles had schemed up this very elaborate system to try and exploit weaknesses and in one game he, he dared Drew Brees to throw it long and Drew Brees was able to throw it long and in the other game he was able to exploit the fact that the Brees didn't have the because of the injury didn't have that ability anymore and because we've seen these two sides in the regular season face each other and uh, have one of these galaxy brain moments this this the hills amazing first quarter when for some reason Bowles decided that man coverage was just the way to deal with the with the fastest player in in the nfl 
being thrown by being thrown balls by the best quarterback uh, in the game is uh, definitely not do that again. Um, so if they <laughs> if they mix next things up and if they try and find a better way to deal with this, then that's going to be where things kind of lie. And I think it is going to be based upon this Mahomes injury. I think they're going to target this toe and say, look. He looked okay. Specifically target the toe. It's like a microscope <laughs> in there. I think that's actually illegal under the current rules. But, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He uh, he looked okay when moving around against the Bills, but you got to imagine if you force him to do that for four quarters, it's going to it's going to be a, a kind of a tough situation. So does the pass is the pass for us designed to have to force Mahomes to get out of the pocket continually, have to make decisions on the fly continually? We know he's very good at that. And I think at a certain point, Tampa Bay have to say, if we push Mahomes to the limit of his physical ability and he's still able to make the superstar throws that he know he's capable of and we lose, we just got to accept that's going to happen. we got to accept that if that's how this game turns out, then fine, we got beaten in a, in a situation where we couldn't possibly win. But I think that's how the Tampa Bay defense may get at him, is that you, you try and force Mahomes to continuously on the run, on his, on his bad toe, continuously making decisions when the pain is going to be building up uh, drive after drive and hope that he starts making mistakes or stops losing his productivity. The big mistake that, say, the Bills and the Browns made um, against the Kansas City offense in, in the last two playoff games was that they decided to take away the, the deep game, but they were willing to give them absolutely anything they wanted underneath. So the, the, the mid-range pass to Kelsey or, or whatever, those passes were, were open all night, and it was just death by a thousand cuts. It was, it was allowing the, the Chiefs offense to get into the groove. They needed to just walk the ball down the field. So they can't do that, and they can't do the the one-on-one against Hill. So they have to figure out some other way of doing it, and I think possibly trying to exploit that injury is how it goes. I'm not entirely sure it'll work. I still think Mahomes is probably good enough that even with an injury and being forced to, to play at you know the game of his life, basically, while injured, I still Mahomes is obviously so talented that he's capable of it, and they have so many weapons that you can't cover them all up all the time. So I still think that the KC are going to rack up an awful lot of points, but... If they are held to, say, 24 points or less, it'll be because the defensive scheming has, has worked specifically on the weaknesses of KC and is actually able to exploit it in, in game time scenarios. Yeah, yeah. And one, one thing to keep an eye out on this is obviously both the safeties for Tampa Bay were listed with injuries in the last two weeks. So even though I think they're both expected to play, like... You know yeah. they're, they're already going to struggle yeah. with the speed that's coming on the offense, and if they're even just a quarter step even slower, it's going to be more difficult for that. And, and um, the backups are the backups are not good enough, as we saw in the Packers when those two safeties went out, and suddenly the Packers offense started firing, and such, also the yeah. backups like, are not of like, the standard needed. Like the top of a secondary, these are players who mostly are overperforming where they're expected to be, like Murphy, Bunting, Dean. These are guys who are doing better than they would have been expected to when they came into the league, but they're not obviously elite talents. And of course, you know, with KC, you know, you have to stop Travis Kelsey and you have to stop Tyreek Hill. Like, you you know, and if you double cover both of those guys, in theory, you know, a Sammy Watkins or a Michael Harden will come, will come open. But the thing is, like, even... Given those that knowledge, we know that can't like you know these two guys are the centerpiece of that offense. No one has been able to shut down both of them um, for the last you know for nearly the entire season. Like Travis Kelsey is getting over a hundred yards and touchdowns. It feels like every single week for basically what feels like three or four months at this point. And you know how do you stop him? Because if you if you try to like come down them on the curl routes or the short routes. Um, you know, he'll go through, he'll do the seam route and he'll beat you that way. And it just feels like Travis Kelsey, the kind of 
season that he's had just genuinely feels like a completely undefeatable piece. And I don't necessarily, like, you know, in theory, Tampa Bay should have the defensive personnel to do that. They have Devin White, they have Levante David. Um, in theory, if they want Anton Winfield back, they'll have him as well. But the way Kelsey's been playing and his relationship with Mahomes has just been at that extra level that you genuinely feel it might be unbeatable. And of course, you know, we've talked about Hill you know, I think he has been he has been schemed out of some games that we saw against Buffalo when he you know they used him more as a yards after the catch weapon, which hasn't necessarily been his game this season. But you saw how effective that was in a kind of almost punt returner type situation, and you're kind of wondering like, well, you can't be you can't you know stop him short and stop him long at the same time without you know creating huge holes elsewhere. It just it feels like almost an impossible task. So unless JPP and Shaq Barrett are getting to Mahomes within like. You know, two seconds. Um, you know, yeah. Your best shot is to you know, hopefully maybe keep it down to like you know twenty to twenty points to like twenty something points rather than thirty something points. But just, yeah, this offense right now is just singing so well, and what they've done in the playoffs and the adjustments they made just feel like they're rolling right now. It's very hard to bet against them. Uh, just one thing I want to note before we move off the offenses, um, just to keep an eye out for the double reverse play from their last matchup. So if you remember, they had a double reverse fake handoff which resulted in Kelsey rolling to the right and trying to pass to Mahomes in the end zone where he could have ran it in but he still tried to pass that stinks to me of one of those ones that I think I said at the time uh, that I felt like Reed was running that to set it up for something else possibly down the line given that it's the team that they did it against beforehand don't be surprised if we see a similar type of setup being run and it used to make people bite on on a different directional route or something that's my weird out there theory for the game that, <laughs> it's uh, not that, that weird like Andy Reid in all these big games has been cooking up, you know, going back into the archives and finding whatever crazy play he can. You know, last year they had the, uh, what was it, when they all twirled around. Oh, yeah, the one uh, from like the 1946 Rose Bowl or something. Yeah, and stuff like that. And we know we know Bruce Arians, his most famous saying is no risk it, no biscuit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is a game where you could see guys going for it in like fourth and, you know, fairly long. Um, you could see, you know, on Andy Reid's side, certainly trick plays. Um, you know, we know that, you know, in the, the Philly, uh, the Philly Philly Super Bowl, Tom Brady got beaten by trick plays and didn't manage to get trick plays as well. So in theory, you know, Tampa Bay should be more normal. But, you know, given the, the stage and given Tom Brady wanting to, to show out there, you could see some and obviously trying to one up Andy Reid and, and Matt Hatt Mahomes. They may try to pull out the tricks as well, like they did in that Philly Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, it could be there could be some really iconic, uh, you know, successes and failures in this particular yeah. Super Bowl and uh, I'm very excited to see what kind of crazy stuff they choose to do both in terms of game situation and I think that's what we're about to say on the, design itself. I think we're going to say on the coaches as well these are two coaches who are just happy to go a little bit mad and just just try weird stuff so yeah like I I, I will expect to see some weird bits I, I'm, I'm intrigued on things like special teams given the mistake that happened last week are we going to change it up at all or, or, or are we not I'd imagine not but who, who, who knows um there's questions like will either of these teams try and establish a run game ceh is i believe meant to be back for this game for the chiefs and bell is there as well rojo and fournette have said they'd be working the other side like will either of them decide to try and double bluff the other and just try and go a bit more run heavy if the guys aren't expecting it you know it's there's there's a lot of question marks of things that could happen like for a game where and we'll come to our predictions in a minute but like for a game where i think we've all got a similar idea in our head of how it's going to go there are a lot of ways that this could just diverge entirely 
Yeah. So Chad Henney, Philly Philly special. That's what I'm expecting. From Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, we gotta expect Chad Henney to be broken out at least once. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually I've been waiting to that. see if I can find a place to order him for Ireland. There's some fantastic graphics done online from the uh, you know the Chad Henney fourth and one passing play in the championship game. Uh, it's just like him celebrating. It says anything is possible. I uh, I, I quite <laughs> want one of those T-shirts now at this point. But uh, yeah, is there anything is there anything weird we're expecting to see pop out of this? Anything unusual? I I, I got an awful feeling that we're going to end up with a scoreline that's going to require an attempted onside kick at some point. Uh, well, yeah, we'll start to see trick plays. There'll certainly be elaborate things. I mean, the the onside kick is so unsuccessful that there maybe someone has to kick uh, cook up something really elaborate to get it to succeed. I mean, it's it's going to be those situations. It's going to be one of those situations where given the two teams have played each other this season, given they're going to have two weeks to prepare, they're going to be prepared for all the obvious things. So you have to turn to the, the unobvious things. And yeah, things like like a Philly special or or crazy running around Pro Bowl or Rose Bowl type stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't legislate for the unlegislatable, but yeah, we can expect the unexpected as it were. Yeah, okay. We will take our predictions now so i have gone obviously for kansas city uh, i've gone for 34 to 24 i had a higher scoring and then i remembered like we actually haven't had that many high scoring super bowls with the exception of the eagles one uh they've actually all been quite low scoring of late so i've gone back to that so 34 24 for me ronan uh, i gone for kansas city as well 30 to 21 um i think kansas city pat mahomes i'm just not willing to go against him right now he just feels undefeatable yeah, and now the most important of all, Sean, who is currently twelve and zero in the season predict or the postseason yeah. predictions, hasn't called a game wrong yet. Uh, what's your prediction, Sean? Yeah, no pressure going in. It's going into a Super Bowl <laughs> with Tom Brady in it on a perfect record that always works out well for for Pats fans. <laughs> um, I am going to play it safe. I'm going to go for Kansas City to win this. I'm going to think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be a bit of a shootout. But eventually the the Chiefs will have enough to get them over the line. I've gone for 35-32, which, I mean, I don't quite know how the 32 turns out because that seems to me like maybe a two-point conversion catch-up thing. But certainly I think it's going to be a one-score game throughout with the Chiefs just having enough to pull away uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, But uh, as as much as it pains me to say, I just don't see... I don't see Tom doing it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna break out the my old Pats 12 jersey in, in honor of his amazing achievement. But um, mm. ultimately, yeah, it's it's going to be well, it's going to be difficult. I've, to d- see I'm how sorry, I've, d- I've also I've just adjusted my score upwards on the basis I'm going 42 34 uh, to 76 points. Uh, <laughs> start predicting 54 51 games. Yeah. yeah. This also this might be the retirement of my uh, of my Mahomes jersey after this one. Uh, it started to show the wear and tear of uh of uh washing and drying over the last three years so uh for uh for <laughs> winning yeah for for, for do you know what you know, i'll be honest for a completely above board and not knock off 20 euro jersey that i bought from china it uh <laughs> it is uh it is held up the test of time that's been over to iraq with me all over the shop washed that's it's done great now uh, so I'll have to see. I, I I think some of the bits are going to come off it after after this night. But uh, sure, look, that'll it's it, it's had a good run so far, and I've been intending to pick up a new jersey or two anyway. Need so. to do a celebratory Hulk uh, ripping of the t-shirt type thing. Oh yeah, that'd be good uh, fun. To give it the perfect send off. Yeah, <laughs> too right. <laughs> um, but no, that's perfect. So uh, any crack with yourselves, and lads, just Super Bowl prep for the yeah. for yeah, the weekend. Super Bowl is going to dominate my weekend. Uh, I think. 
Mm. Uh, yeah. Nothing much else going on. Yeah, I'm going to have a we chat with uh, our, our friend uh, Emmett about his article later on tonight, and then it's just going to be Super Bowl prep and a few bits and pieces like that. Uh, and yeah, should be should be good. What are yourself, Ronan? Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same. As I said, there's a bit of rugby on, but uh, you know, to keep me keep me keep me distracted. But uh, yeah, other than that, staying safe, staying safe, distancing, wearing masks, wearing where possible. Very good, very good. Well, I suppose that'll do us for now. Uh, we will obviously be doing a post Super Bowl show uh, in horrendously hungover fashion, probably <laughs> as is tradition at this point. Uh, we were contemplating doing a bit of it live, but I'm not sure how bad that would work. Trying to oh, like because 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 trying to run multiple microphones simultaneously would just be off. It's fine when everyone's just drunk in a room together. It's much more difficult when we're drunk in several separate rooms. Plus, our feeds um, would all probably be like. Slightly off, off. yeah. yeah. <laughs> there have been issues this season with people being 30 seconds ahead of everyone else. Yeah, it's a bit of a pain in the arse. Um, yeah, but um, sure, look, we'll, we'll figure something out. We might we might do a, a, like a five-minute catch-up at the halftime to see what we're thinking of it or something like that, but uh, we'll work it out. I missed um, the weekend. Oh. oh, God, it's a weekend play, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So it's, it's an improvement over the last... Do you remember, was it, no, it wasn't last year, it was the year before last, where like for the halftime show that was... Was it Maroon Five? We just went out onto the balcony and listened to Outcast instead because it was in Atlanta. Um, anyway, <laughs> very good stuff. Uh, I suppose for now, as always, pop in your questions and stuff to us on Facebook and Twitter and all that shit. But uh, for now, it's bye from myself, bye from Ronan, bye, bye from John. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week. Bye.